Everybody. Welcome to the March 17th, 2017 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Let's get a quick take on the suddenly popular race for Attorney General of Colorado. Colorado Representative Joe Salazar announced this week that he will run for the Democratic nomination, and Boulder District Attorney Stan Garnett said he's mulling the same idea. Patty Calhoun from Westward, I had no idea that the race for Attorney General will be the one that we're talking about now. We've heard a little bit about the governor's race, which, which we expected, but were you surprised to hear about this race at this point? Well, it was at least refreshing to talk about politics in Colorado as opposed to politics in Washington, D.C. You know, Stan Garnett and Joe Sal, I mean, they would have an amazing primary. We would be talking about a lot of important issues. Salazar's really shaking things up over the legislature and Stan Garnett really great DA in Boulder. So, Craig Silverman, attorney with Silverman and Levis and talk show host on KNUS. Uh, who do you think has the edge in a primary uh, if we see uh, Garnett actually jump into the race with Salazar? First of all, it's St. Patrick's Day. I had no idea. In any event, <laughs> I know both these guys. This is going to be a primary to remember. I give a slight edge to Stan Garnett because he has prosecutorial background but Joe Salazar, he will throw wild punches. He's going to be a guest on my show on April Fool's Day. And last time I looked, he led a protest against the travel ban at DIA. He called another representative a half-Latino. God knows what he'll come up against uh, Stan Garnett with. But I don't know if Cynthia Kaufman is vulnerable. That's who's waiting at the end of the line. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. We'll start that with Natasha Gardner, articles editor at 5280. So uh, Cynthia Kaufman is not term limited. She's entering in, will, it, mm -hmm. assuming that she runs again. She will be an incumbent uh, and so far hasn't really encountered uh, major problems. Should she be worried with either of these potential opponents? Well, I think that... <laughs> Depending on who it is, it'll be a different battle. Like Stan would bring a different sort of challenges for, to her um, than Joe would certainly. I think the bigger question for for Cynthia Kaufman is whether she runs for this race or not, or whether she just tries for the governor's race. Which it'll be interesting to see. I mean, she's done some interesting work during her tenure. Certainly, there's um, plenty of people who don't like her, but she's also reached out in some unconventional ways, particularly um, with women across the state, trying to make some alliances. So I don't think she's as an easy target as, as some Democrats might like to think she is. Mary McCarthy rounds at the table, first time on the show, reporter with ColoradoPolitics.com, also a reporter for various other outlets in the, in the area. So looking at Salazar possibly versus Garnett, it, I've heard some folks say that Salazar might have the edge with the Bernie wing of the Democratic Party, if it, again that really does exist, but seems to be popular in Colorado. Do you think that's the case? How do you think Democrats are going to divvy up for this kind of a race? I think that's absolutely the case, and let's be clear that the reason we're talking about the attorney general race in Colorado at this point is because of Joe Salazar. He is the force to be reckoned with in, in this race um, on a lot of levels in Colorado politics. Um, he came to us at Colorado Politics speaking to Joey Bunch and me um, to give us the exclusive on his run. <laughs> and 
And um, it was clear from the way that he spoke and the way that he speaks really every day is that um, his uh, mission is to find a way to counteract President Trump. He said that he rather than running for governor, where he would have certainly stood a good chance as, as a powerful voice, a powerful Latino voice in the state, he thought that he could better counteract Trump's policies by running for attorney general. He um, knows how to spark controversy. Um, certainly his comment about uh, a half-Latino was taken way out of context, totally misrepresented by the media, but he's someone who gets people talking, and he has a lot of fans out there. Well, got people talking around here. Let's get to it. Mm -hmm. The most recent version of the president's travel ban was halted before it was enacted by a judge in Hawaii this week. The president responded that he intends to fight the decision even to the Supreme Court. Speaking of the Supreme Court, Colorado Judge Neil Gorsuch begins his confirmation hearings next week. Patty, as you look at it right now, does Neil Gorsuch have much to worry about in his confirmation hearings? Well, he will definitely come out a little bruised because no matter what, Democrats who are still smarting over Merrick Garland and how he never got his hearing at this, uh, with the Senate are going to be throwing us some delaying tactics. But really, besides the fact that you kind of want to uh, champion a hometown hero, he did clerk for Wizard White. I mean, he is a jurist that people are really... Um, admi people really admire him, even if they don't necessarily agree with all of his politics. I think he's the best we can possibly anticipate Trump having nominated. You don't even want to think about who the next three or four judges he might be able to nominate are. It's interesting to have the travel ban just held in abeyance again right now on St. Patrick's Day. Let's remember there was a time when refugees were welcomed, although the Irish also took their hits when they first came to this country. So given St. Patrick's Day, given how important the Irish have become in this country, let's remember all the other groups that have come in and flavored this great melting pot. Here, here, as a, uh, uh, let's see, great-grandson of Italian immigrants, I can uh, uh, definitely echo your sentiments there. Uh, Craig, as you look at the travel ban, uh, again, being stopped by a state, I guess it was a federal judge in Hawaii, does it need to go to the Supreme Court to be overturned? Is that really the only option that President Trump has at this point if he wants to see it enacted? Well, it was Judge Watson in Hawaii, Judge Chung in Maryland. Two federal judges have stopped it. Uh, the Ninth Circuit will probably back the Hawaii judge. I'm not sure what will happen in Maryland, but ultimately I expect this will go to the Supreme Court. Will Nor Neil Gorsuch be a part of that court? I bet he will be. But this uh, kind of puts him on the hot seat. Donald Trump is a little more restrained in Nashville as he discussed the latest ruling against him. Well, recall that when he was ruled against in Washington, he called the federal district court judge a so-called judge, and Judge Gorsuch apparently told uh, Senator Blumenthal that he found that disheartening and demoralizing. So expect him to be asked about it. But on the travel ban itself, uh, this bothers me as a lawyer because Donald Trump, uh, his original sin, December 7, 2015, right after the San Bernardino massacre, he talked about a total Muslim travel ban. And these courts keep going back to that. And when is uh, he going to get past it? If he puts troops in Syria to fight the Islamic State, is that unconstitutional because Islam's a part of it? Can we talk about the Quran, the Hadith, Sharia law, or is that against the First Amendment? We need some guidance from the Supreme Court. And since when do foreigners have American constitutional rights? I never heard of this before, and I don't think the Supreme Court will uh, follow the path of the Hawaii judge or the Maryland federal judge. 
But there's a lot of legal issues in there. It's not just the First Amendment or constitutional rights for foreigners. I mean, there's a lot of different angles to this. Wouldn't you agree? Right. But for you to equate your ancestors or Irish ancestors or my ancestors with the current situation, let's face it, Donald Trump told Anderson Cooper that he thinks Islam may be at war with us. And there are aspects of Sharia law that are different than the cultures that we brought here. And will they assimilate? Well, a lot of American Muslims have. But if we get inundated the way Germany and parts of Europe have, are they really assimilating or are there no-go areas in major European cities right now? I think there are, and we want to avoid that. And Donald Trump ran on that, and the people elected him. So for a federal judge to say we're going to go a different way, it seems kind of anti-democratic. It seems odd to be debating assimilation when we're celebrating an Irish holiday in America. With We have an influx of immigrants over 120 years ago that were all from an island that weren't necessarily welcomed because of their influx, but now we are celebrating one of their holidays. So it, it, we, we could probably go another hour for this. Let me, uh, Natasha, as you see Democrats in D.C. right now, there are a lot of things to argue when it comes to President Trump's policies. They have a brand new budget to argue over. They have a potential uh, Supreme Court justice uh, confirmation hearings with Neil Gorsuch, uh, the travel ban. There's a lot of things to do. Do you think Democrats are going to spend much of their political capital fighting the Gorsuch confirmation when there's a lot of other targets for their aim? Uh, I think that they have to, simply because of the precedent that has been set in recent years, that if they just let this go, then when the next appointee comes up, what ground do they have to stand on? That would be surprising to me if the Democrats didn't put up a little bit of a fuss. I don't think it'll be a long, extended battle, though. There's a lot of talk about how this is like for like, how he, he sort of replaces the Scalia. Now, I think that comparison is maybe a little too easy to make, a little too broad, but there, there is, there's precedent for that. Um, what I do think is interesting, though, with this relation to the travel ban is that there is this legal question um, and the sort of the intentionality of, of which the Hawaiian judge was really looking at. Well, you said something during the campaign. Now you're doing this. You changed the word slightly, slightly, but we have to look at the context of all of that. That's interesting. But then if you look in Colorado, to bring it back to Joe Salazar, the conversation we're having at the state capitol this week is how would Colorado react to this? So looking at a bill that would um, remove us from internment camp or any sort of registries that came through, and that's a conversation that's happened here locally. I think that'll happen in D.C. as well, that this is not just a battle for the courts, but this question of how do we treat immigrants? How does this country, country respond to people who are refugees and seeking a better life in America? And that conversation is going to be very interesting over the next five or four or five years. Mary, do you foresee a bumpy <coughs> ride for Neil Gorsuch in the next couple of weeks? Uh, no, it's, it's political theater at this point, and uh, we'll see how, how that plays out in terms of the process, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's partisan politics at its best. As for the travel ban, that's something that I'm a lot more interested in. I work for a number of international outlets, so there's constant mm -hmm. coverage of that. Um, what we can look for in the coming weeks is how the travel ban is affecting the economy. Travel trackers, industry experts are looking at that. Um, according to Yahoo Finance, uh, the number of people coming in from the seven countries initially affected, now six, obviously Iraq has been 
been pulled off the list has fallen between four and five percent. That's we're talking, you know, millions of dollars. So how this is going to play out in terms of real numbers of people coming to the country? On a personal note, as I told you when we we started mm -hmm. the show today, uh, my my parents are immigrants from Ireland to Denver. They came in the 1970s. So um, I take uh, St. Patrick's Day very seriously, <laughs> even if we celebrate it differently than most people do. Um, which, as a child, involved you know drinking tea and uh, going to mass, and that was about it. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, the day on the day after Trump's election, November 9th, my mother watched uh, CNN with um, uh, soon-to-be President Trump and then President Barack Obama, and she called me up in tears and said, "As an immigrant, this is frightening." And she's not someone who is um, who is politically or particularly anti-Trump, we'll say, in any way. Um, she's someone who became an American citizen about 10 years ago, along with my father, and um, is, is very proud to be an American, very proud to have raised her family here. But um, they hold very dear to this notion that America is a country of immigrants from everywhere, and that um, these, these discussions are absolutely pertinent to be, to be having. And on a final note, I um, interviewed uh, for ColoradoPolitics.com, you can look it up today, the official Irish uh, representative in Denver. There's an Irish honorary consul here, James Lyons, and he um, he really echoed that tone, saying that he says in no uncertain terms that immigrants are the present, the past, present, and future of our country. The Congressional Budget Office released estimates this week that, as currently written, the American Health Care Act would cause 14 million people to lose coverage in the first year and an additional 12 million by 2026. In response, Representative Mike Kaufman commented that he needs more time with the CBO analysis before he can commit to voting for it, although he was supportive of the bill before the CBO released its report. Craig, uh, Representative Kaufman was actually supportive, uh, made that statement on your radio show before the CBO report was released. What do you think, what kind of wiggle room do you think Representative Kaufman has now that we've seen numbers from the Congressional Budget Office? Well, this is a very tough issue, especially for Colorado politicians, because hundreds of thousands of Coloradans may lose their health benefits. As Donald Trump eventually realized and acknowledged, this is very complicated. And the GOP is uh, in a circular firing squad right now, and this will test Donald Trump's deal-making abilities, his political skills. And Peggy Noonan is now suggesting that he reach across the aisle. Donald Trump told Tucker Carlson in a crowd in Nashville that no matter what he said, the Democrats are going to instinctively oppose him, and that may be true. Although if he puts on a charm offensive, maybe gives them a few things, it's possible. Because will the Republicans all rally together? Cory Gardner and I expect now Mike Kaufman have said, no, we need to keep that expanded Medicaid. Meanwhile, the Freedom Caucus, people who are more conservative in the GOP, say, no, you're giving away too much Medicaid. So they're going to have to resolve that. Uh, Charles Krauthammer has suggested the smartest strategy for the House to load it up with everything Republicans like, pass it, send it to the Senate, where, where it will die a certain death, and the Democrats will be blamed. It's a lot of politics because uh, people will react in the midterms. Natasha, uh, President Trump doesn't have to worry about being reelected in 2018, but a bunch of Congress people do. Uh, seeing that on their horizon, do you think this bill is going to look 
far different once it actually gets to the Senate. Absolutely. And there's going to be people who vote against it for very different reasons. Some people are going to vote against it because their constituents don't think it goes far enough, and others will vote against it because their constituents think it goes too far. So if you're a Republican in this position right now, this is this is difficult. Um, you know, as of Friday, if it was voted on party lines, they need a whip. Or they need um, at least 21 Republicans um, to, to vote for it as well. Or they, I guess they can lose 21. But there's 23 that have already said they aren't voting for it or they're on the fence. And I actually think that number might grow over the weekend. So this is going to be a very long slog, um, which now that we have the CBO numbers is um, important. Maybe we need a little bit more time to discuss this. You know, um, personally, as a reporter, because I've covered these topics, I'm very concerned about mental health parity and how that's handled. I'm concerned about access and how class and income is, is treated by this bill. And those are things that we're just starting to hear about. I honestly think the media needs a little more time with this topic to uncover some of those. So um, I, I'm all for delaying this <laughs> until we have some more information. Uh, Mary, a variety of groups came out uh, against some of the ideas that were within this current version of the bill. One of the more powerful groups that said they had problems with it were, uh, the, was the senior lobby. Really, when it came to seniors, they were getting the short end of the stick on a lot of different ends of this bill. Because of the power they have in D.C., do you think we'll see some changes specifically that help uh, senior citizens uh, when it comes to health care. There's a lot of people getting the short end of the stick in this bill. You could say a lot of people with Obamacare um, as well. Um, bring it back to the midterm elections. Um, health care, one of the policies obviously that has the most real life immediate ramifications as a reporter. I'm, I'm talking about this every day. Interviewed a woman in Denver last week who lost her job. Survivor of cancer, has a brain tumor because she doesn't have a job now. She said she is terrified. She is in tears. She does not know what to do. Someone who has worked in the corporate world her entire life and simply does not know what the future holds for her in terms of her financial future. So, um, so you know, the, this is going to affect the midterm elections. Mike Kaufman, obviously, somebody who, um, if he makes the wrong move on it, it could come back to haunt him very quickly. Uh, Senator, State Senator, currently Rhonda Fields, one of the people mentioned as a possible competitor to him. She's known very much uh, for her strong voice for the disenfranchised, for the poor. We know that he's in a district that includes a lot of low-income folks, a lot of cultural and ethnic diversity. He could face a challenging race, and uh, this really could be. Uh, could make it or break it for him. Uh, Patty, there's a lot of different pieces to this that affect a lot of different Colorado politicians. Do you think we're going to see a delay? Because I know, I've at least read in some places, that Republicans want to avoid a delay over the summer recess because that's what happened with Obamacare and that the town halls and really the, the surge of the Tea Party came in 2010. And Republicans want to try to avoid that. But can they, seeing that there's so, so much uh, disagreement over what we currently have? I don't think they're going to be able to avoid that. We talked about this last week when we said, you know, obviously you need more time, and it just came out a week ago Monday. The media is not the only one that needs more time on this. The legislators need time on this. They still can't figure it out. When we were sitting here last week, it was going to be 14 million. Now we have the additional 12 million who will lose health insurance. Clearly, the poor are in trouble, but it's also the people with pre-existing conditions, everyone who is scared. And that senior lobby is going to make a huge difference in D.C. because that's a strong voting contingent for Trump. It's a strong bunch of voters, and they can make a big difference at the midterms.
Efforts to address Colorado's transportation funding issues took a couple of different turns this week. The Independence Institute announced that they are working on a ballot measure that would redirect state funds toward transportation without raising taxes. Meanwhile, State Senator Jerry Sonnenberg, the number two Republican in the Senate, said he will propose a bill that would fund local road projects using $100 million in current state funding rather than raising taxes. Natasha, transportation seems to be a bipartisan issue, but certainly addressing it does not. Uh, are we going to get a transportation solution at a legislature this year? <laughs> Um, possibly. I think if, and as you point out, if there's one thing that, that, that Coloradans can agree on in the spring after the winter weather and the warming temperatures have wrecked havoc with our streets, is that something needs to be done to upkeep them. Um, I certainly drove over many a pothole on the way over here today. The problem is that um, it gets hung up on sort of three issues always, which is bipartisan, our internal party politics, um, this question of, of rural versus urban and where we spend our money, and then finally, raising taxes, which most people don't really like. And with this, I'm both of the two, the two sort of um, initiatives that you mentioned are in opposition to, are in reaction to a bipartisan bill that is, is, is moving forward right now that would raise taxes, that would look at improving I-25 and I-70. Um, and as I said, it's, it's bipartisan, so there's, there's some agreement on that. But there's, um, I think, a long haul before it would actually pass at the Capitol. Mary, it seems that uh, Republican State Senate President Kevin Grantham has a tough road to hoe. Sorry. Uh, when it comes to getting his bill passed, really anything through the Senate, will this even pass Senate committee? It's hard to say at this point, certainly uh, um, reiterating what Natasha said there. Uh, I interviewed recently the CDOT Executive Director Shailen uh, Bat at uh, the CES Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas where they were touting a lot of the technological developments that the CDOT is, you know, frankly doing a great job at. Um, but what, what Shailen said is that, um, uh, you know, transportation funding in Colorado is like a family, a growing family, rapidly growing family, planning a massive um, much-needed expansion on their home and they have all the plans and all the ideas and it's brilliant and they say they're going to be the best in the nation and the world and people are going to look at us for the example but they don't have the money to do it so it's a whole lot of talk a whole lot of hot air and at this point it seems like po uh, politics is winning the day and not a real solution so <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it plays out by the end of the session. And Patty this isn't the first time we've heard from the Institute with a ballot measure um, this one uh, while I think the title is pretty good fix our damn roads uh, it goes after a lot of sacred cows it basically says oh the legislature can pay for it as long as you don't mind cutting these dozen or so projects that some people actually uh, care for does this one have a shot to getting it actually on the ballot and some success well, if Caldera gets out and really pushes it, I would advocate he do what anarchists are doing in Seattle, which is going out on the roads and filling in the potholes themselves, which is a genius idea to get people behind you because truly, as Natasha says, you are very aware of the state of Colorado's roads every time you try to drive to, through town and you hit one of those. So I think there is a will of the people to kind of come up with, to pay for some kind of road funding plan, but so many people are going to pick it apart that the odds of it getting into, onto the ballot in any kind of shape are unlikely. Craig, you have some Republicans saying no taxes being raised at all. You have some Republicans willing to make a deal. Which side wins here? Wow, there's a dangerous road full of political potholes. As personal entry lawyer, I'm all in favor of this Seattle anarchist plan that Patty's come up with. Uh, we want good roads, but we want low taxes. Uh, some claim that the Democrats are letting this implode, kind of like Obamacare with the GOP, because it puts uh, the, the people who want higher taxes in tough shape. 
you know, it's going to be an issue in the gubernatorial race. And the way we know that is George Brockler, the Arapahoe County DA, has written a piece for the Aurora Sentinel suggesting that we use the idea of Bill Owens and issue some trans bonds to finance it. That's a good idea from George Brockler, who should know about roads, because Arapahoe Road is one of the most messed up roads in all of Colorado. That's a, a great full circle <laughs> turn there, Craig. Well, well done. Uh, let's get to our favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. Patty starts off. As we are hearing about the proposed cuts coming out of Washington, cut after cut, including OSE to the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, we're also hearing about just how much money is going to Secret Service protection for Trump when he goes down to Florida, for his wife who's staying in the Trump Tower. And now this weekend we are going to see a huge amount of money going to protect the Trump family, not Donald, coming to Aspen for the weekend. The rumors are up to 100 Secret Service agents. Craig. Rachel Maddow. She is over-the-top anti-Trump, and boy, did she get punked this week. She ended up helping President Trump immensely by releasing the 2005 tax return. Come to think of it, maybe she should be my something nice. <laughs> Natasha. This might be more of a challenge than a disgrace. Um, voter turnout came out. Colorado did very well. We ranked number four in the country, but I think we can do better. It's one of the reasons I love reporting on this state. People are very engaged, but... Come on, number one. <laughs> <laughs> Mary. Um, affordable housing. The, there's a new push reported uh, comprehensively, very much so by the westward, to build uh, tiny homes. Great initiative by a number of community groups, nonprofits. Um, great that they're doing that. They're doing a GoFundMe campaign. But the fact that this is even needed in the Denver metro area points to the real fa failures when it comes to solving homelessness and affordable housing in our community, that's a failure of Governor Hickenlooper and Mayor Hancock. Let's either say something nice about somebody. Patty? Great show opens tomorrow at History Colorado. Backstory, which combines art from the Denver Art Museum with artifacts from History Colorado's collection. It's, it's a new chapter for History Colorado, emphasizing Colorado history and its own collection, which is great. While you're there, go see the Camp Amachi exhibit, which reminds you when Japanese Americans were interned in southeastern Colorado. Really cautionary tale at this time. Craig. I went to a great show last Saturday, March Madness, at the Denver Coliseum. It was sort of a sad ending. The Eagle Crest Raptors beat my George Washington Patriots, speaking of green. But there's another big success story out of Denver basketball. Roderick Bernstein, Jr., a Denver kid, played great for North Dakota last night. 20 points, 15 rebounds. They came up just short of number two-ranked Arizona. But what a performance he put on in Salt Lake City. Natasha. As a native of North Dakota, and I have to, I have to echo that as well. I will say um, something related to sports on, on National Pie Day. I love any excuse to celebrate pie. Who wouldn't? But I like the Rockies Photoshop of their team celebrating the day as well. A good geeky Photoshop. Mary. <clears throat> I'll move us from sports to strip clubs. And a Denver attorney, Mari <laughs> Newman, um, launched or, or um, initiated a lawsuit against a number of strip clubs in Denver and across seven other states to defend exotic dancers, if that's the correct term, um, who essentially are, um, you know, being exploited. Uh, it's a case of uh, various forms of wage theft, according to her. We'll see how it plays out in the courts. Certainly um, innocent until proven guilty, but it's a case to follow. And if it's uh, defending disinformation, franchise workers, certainly a profession of, of women, often uh, single mothers, then more power to her, and let's, uh, let's, uh, let's follow that closely here.
Okay. Barry Newman, my guest, 9 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think we'd have no plugs on this show. That's all the time Everyone we have tonight. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We're wrapping up our spring pledge drive this weekend, so you can still show your support for programs just like this one with the pledge of your support right there throughout the weekend. As always, be sure to check out CIO Podcasts on iTunes and Google Play and the show segments on our social media pages. For everyone here at Colorado Public Television, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thanks for watching. Good night. Thank mm-hmm. you.